notably, uh, a character in this play. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, a corpse a, in this play. <laughs> a corpse in this play. <laughs> Welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. We are thrilled to welcome you back into the second half of our Season 7 themed month, which is Murder Month. Yes, we are back in the swing of things after having taken a nice a nice break for you can't take it with you last week, a nice palate cleanser. There was no uh, murder in that play. There was Nobody no died. Murder. Zero <laughs> murder in that play. <laughs> so hopefully you are 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 reinvigorated and ready to engage with more murder <laughs> as as we jump into a, a a great script by a playwright, a new playwright to the podcast. Uh, we are talking about Lloyd says Charles Francis Chan Jr.'s exotic oriental murder mystery today. Boy, it is a long title. That <laughs> I'd be I'd be hard pressed to remember every word of it if I wasn't looking at it. Here's what's interesting about the second half of Murder Month and why the division in the middle was so cool is that the first two scripts of Murder Month were what I would call standard murder plays, right? Murder is a plot device in a fictional plot. The characters murder, they question about murder, they think about the murders they have committed, they commit more murders. And those two plays, Death Trap and Macbeth, took very different looks at murder, as we discussed. For the second half of Murder Month, we're taking murder in a slightly different direction. Today's play has none of the actual characters get murdered. Rather, this is a play about writing and producing a play where there are several (laughs) murders and where the murder of the characters in the play within the play carries a strong (laughs) psychological cultural message. So one of the characters in this play who is a writer uses murder to tell his story, uses the murder of the characters in his play to tell his story. So a very different look at murder. And next (laughs) week, we're going to look at a play about a murder that really happened. A, a, a strongly sort of historical fiction look at a famous murder in the United States in the form of drama. So that is so, that's what's so cool about this particular murder month, right? We could have done four plays where murder was just part of a fictional plot. We could have done an Agatha Christie script next. And in fact, today's script has some connections to Agatha Christie. Yeah. But instead, we did two <laughs> plays where you'd think of them as standard murder plays, murder part of the plot, and two plays that take murder in a really different direction. So that break in the middle was nice because we're back for something different yeah it's almost like meta murder month meta at least murder for this <laughs> this play is a meta murder play you're right yeah at least for this one yeah <laughs> kind of gets into some pretty meta elements around the murders I- i'm excited to get to be able to talk about it and kind of draw out some of those great themes that the playwright is playing with I, yeah, I think it'll be a really fun conversation and fun to look at what role murder plays in this play with no murder in it in terms of the actual characters. That'll be fascinating to talk about. Before we get there, we do want to do the thing that we do at the beginning of every episode, which is invite you to support the podcast. If you're not already supporting No Script, we are supported 
by the folks over on Patreon. That's how we're able to continue doing this. We love the podcast. We love the work. We love the discussions. We love engaging with you all, but it's not free for us to do. And Jackson and I just don't have the financial resources to just foot that bill for all eternity. However, <laughs> you all out there have been so generous in supporting this podcast, giving it the ability to continue running. You can do that, if you're not already, by going to patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. This is a good moment to remind everybody that Patreon's search feature, for some reason, is just not all that great. So going to Patreon and searching for us, you may be able to find it, but really the best way is just to type in patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. Over there, you'll see a number of different tiers. Each of those tiers represents a monthly amount that you agree to contribute to support the running of the show. The lowest tier is just a dollar a month. It's literally just one dollar a month. And with that dollar, you are able to do a ton to help the continued work of No Script the Podcast. There's other tiers, too. If you can afford to give more, we appreciate it. But for the folks that are giving even that dollar a month amount, we say a huge, huge thank you. You are what makes this show possible to do so big big thank you to our supporters on patreon yeah absolutely thanks so much to everyone who's already headed over there and become a patron over on patreon.com slash no script podcast we'll see uh you all over there now and now back <laughs> to the script you got it you got it back you got it back <laughs> Nice, nice. All right, I'm going to jump into some con- context around this play real quick. This First play of is all, context around- heavy. It's got a lot of context. Yeah, we're going to kind of get into, we'll we'll bleed into a little bit of synopsis in the context, I think, just to kind of fully sum up what we're going to be talking about today. First of all, though, we're going to talk about Lloyd Sud uh, just a little bit. Um, new playwright to the podcast, uh, but not to the theater scene in general. Uh, he got his BFA, Indiana, BFA at Indiana University and his MFA at the New York School, or the New School in New York, excuse me. He's a member of the Dramatist Guild Council, director of artistic programs at the Lark. Um, he also won, has won a bunch of awards. He won the 2016 Helen Mirren Award, 2019 Herb Alpert Award in Arts, and he's named one of the 50 to watch by the Dramatist Guild, um, as well as a 2020 award from uh, John Simon Guggenheim Fellow. Um, he's got... Uh, a number or the most recent of his most well-known plays is the Chinese lady. That's the one that you'll probably see if you Google or, or YouTube his, uh, his name. Uh, those are all the interviews that are coming up right now. Uh, however, the one that we're talking about, I believe is the play just one back of that. I believe it was written in 2015, 17, that era. Um, whereas the Chinese lady is, is fairly contemporary. Um, the play itself uh, has uh, two kind of fairly well-known productions, or at least uh, uh, main stage-ish productions. Uh, there's, there was one in 2015, in October of 2015, at uh, Walker's Space in uh, New York City. Um, it was produced by, I don't know whether to say this, and it's it's NATCO, or N-A-A-T-C-O. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the, the Walker's... National Asian American Theater Company. There we go. Thank you. Um and that is the, so that was produced in 2015, and then there was a subsequent production in 2017 at the Guthrie Theater in Minnesota. Um, and those two productions of the show uh, are are kind of the the main ones. However, at the end of the at the end of the script, there is kind of a a, a personal note to people to be performing this show. So uh, the it it has gotten some other productions and kind of regional houses and stuff like that. But as far as the the main uh, sort of uh, high profile shows, uh, those are the two that 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 uh, have been done 
What's interesting about this script and what we alluded to at the beginning in terms of its context is that the play was actually commissioned as an adaption of an Agatha Christie murder mystery. So, like we said, we could have just thrown an Agatha Christie murder mystery into Murder Month and it would have fit in like a glove. But why not fit in a contemporary adaption of an Agatha Christie murder mystery? And we discovered this wild ride of a script. So, it's an adaption of the mysterious Affair at Styles, but it, it's not really an adaption of the Mysterious Affair at Styles. There's some elements that are pulled in. Uh, Agatha Christie is referenced throughout, um, but the, the most prominent two references to that story are the way the murder takes place, a very specific poison that I'm sure I'm not going to be able to pronounce correctly. Strychnine? Strychnine? Strict nine, uh, yeah. Strict nine. And then the inspector character, Arthur Hastings, who is played in the play within the play by the play's main character, uh, (laughs) Frank, who I'll get to when I do the synopsis, that inspector character is pulled directly from the Agatha Christie story. But those are really the kind of the main two pulls back to this Agatha Christie murder mystery. And a lot of other ways, this is sort of a whole cloth new story, except for... Except for the fact that it's kind of mashed up um, with with another fairly famous uh, story. Um, uh, the, so there's the the story uh, that the, the other draw that is drawing on is this this famous kind of police detective named Charlie Chan, who is a fictional Honolulu police detective, uh, kind of created by author Earl Durr Biggers, notably. Uh, a character in this play. Well, yeah, a <laughs> um, corpse a, in this play. <laughs> a corpse in this play. Um, the character of Charlie Chan is a somewhat notorious character um, in in terms of the kind of uh, r- racial depictions of Asian Americans in film. Um, he is uh, 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 played uh, exclusively by actors, white actors in yellow face makeup. Um, he's kind of meant he was written as kind of the uh, the counteract to uh, Christopher Lee's Fu Manchu and the kind of uh, uh, peril narratives around that, that that Hollywood had around Asian uh, cultures in in like the 1930s era. Yeah, it's, it's this character started in, in the early 1930s. Actually, before that, it was played by an East Asian actor, and that didn't, like, there was no success to that particular iteration of the story. So they started casting it with white actors. And you're right, it's a, it is an alternative to, like, the yellow peril, uh, villainous Asian character. And so for a long time, it was sort of held up as, like, look, this major character, detective, good guy, Asian character. Look, Hollywood's being so diverse. Of course, as time goes on, we're able to look back and say, well, really, this character was just as much of a stereotyped, pinioned Asian character on screen as any of the kind of classic Asian villains are. This is a very subservient to white people character, character who can't speak English like a native speaker, a very sort of tradition bound, um, especially stereotypes of Asian traditions bound. So it, it's ended up being a character that has done as much damage, or certainly that's the argument that Lloyd Sub makes to the uh, the portrayal of Asian people on screen as any of the characters from that era of Yellow Peril films. Right. Yeah. What was intended as kind of like the counteract to to the uh, villains like Fu Manchu kind of became its own issue, its own perpetuation of stereotypes um, that that were kind of in the you know quote unquote acceptable category for for a much longer time, and thus the deconstruction of it. 
needs this play to to happen. <laughs> um, so maybe that's that's a way into some of the synopsis of, of what the the play tries to do with with these mashups of, of both murder mystery and Charlie Chan. Yeah, it, that mashup is a great word for this script. I, I I struggled with how to do this synopsis because yeah. there's so much to try to hold and hold together in what is going on. I think I'm just going to describe the real world and then the play that they're putting on, and I'm going to make those things a little separate in my synopsis. But please know, if you haven't read the script, that in the play, they're interspersed. We get Actually, the first scene of the play is the play within the play, the murder mystery play that is being written by the characters from the real play, not the play within the play. And then we go back to the real world, and then back to the play, and back to the real world, interspersed all throughout. In the real world, we have a young Asian-American male, Frank Chan, who is our major character. Frank is about to be drafted to go fight the war in Vietnam. So that gives you a sense of when this play takes place as well. And just before he's drafted, he is broken up with by his longtime girlfriend, Susie, who's going to go make a film in the Philippines. And he is lost. He doesn't know what what to do. He's struggling with a legacy from his father, who was uh, an Asian-American performer who ended up performing a lot of sort of minstrel-type characters in order to make a living, and doesn't know how to go forward. He's worried about the draft. Uh, he, he struggles to make plans and hold things. Into his life emerges a, uh, a guardian, a guide of sorts, in the form of a capuchin monkey. This monkey comes out of the pages of his book and leads Frank into this new part of his life. He convinces Frank that he should begin a revolution on behalf of Asian American people in the United States. This part of the story, not the capuchin monkey part, but the part about Frank and his revolution, is loosely based on a historical person as well, but again, very loosely. Uh, Frank goes to a bar, meets a woman named Kathy Ching, and invites her to be part of the new play he is going to write about establishing a new Asian American identity in American arts and throwing off the legacy of Yellowface, the legacy of Yellow Apparel portrayals, and the legacy of the Charlie Chan detective portrayal. Um, interestingly, his name is Charles Francis Chan Jr., i.e. Charlie Chan. He goes by Frank. His father is also Charlie Chan. His brother is also Charlie Chan. That's in the real world, not even like the play within the play. Um, so Frank and Kathy start making the script. They agree they're going to get married after their first time sleeping together. They do get married. The capuchin monkey guides them throughout, and they start to make their play. Um, I'll go on to the world of the play now, which is a Agatha Christie-style murder mystery about Earl Derbiggers, who is the person who originally wrote the Charlie Chan story, he is appears as a character, honestly, just as a corpse. The play opens the with him dead on stage, and that right. inv- the investigation of that murder is the play within the play. The investigation is done by Charlie Chan, this yellow-faced uh, Asian stereotype detective, played by a white man who Frank knows in the real world in Yellowface. All the other characters who are white characters that surround the dead man, including the dead man's uh, wife, and um, then and then they're not all white characters, I apologize. Then there are two Asian uh, sort of household um, workers, employees, that are also part of this play. And all of them are played by Asian people in the real world of the play that Frank knows. Um, 
boy, what else to say, Jackson? What are some other important <laughs> things? In the end, Frank, who's playing Inspector Hastings, a white character, as an Asian man, he's playing Inspector Hastings in white face, full white makeup. Um, he goes on to murder uh, the Charlie Chan um, uh, stereotype detective character. He goes on to murder both of the Asian characters written into the play within the play who are written as Asian stereotypes, the sort of weak, submissive males type, the mysterious, powerful Kung Fu oriented Asian American woman stereotype. And so in murdering the stereotypes, Frank sort of hopes to, uh, overcome, I guess how those stereotypes have influenced his own life. The very end of the play, he and Kathy, who have they've discovered that they're pregnant, decide uh, that Frank is going to go sort of to start the revolution that he's hoping for in a bus traveling the country, and Kathy's uh, not going to go with him. Uh, she's going to stay and take care of the medical stuff that she needs now that she's pregnant. Um, and the capuchin monkey ends the play by telling the audience and Frank himself that really it's about sort of the generations of people going forward. They're going to be influenced by this revolution that I guess are the most important people. Those are sort of a lot of the plot. What did I miss, Jackson? There's a lot of strands to hold. There, there are a lot of strands to hold. It covers a lot of ground across a lot of different themes. I think the only other thing worth noting is towards the end of the play, Frank is kind of squared off against Charlie Chan, the detective, um, uh, and and uh, the father-son relationship begins to get pulled out of them just a little bit. Um, and you start hearing a little bit more of Frank's kind of conversation with his dad, who was a vaudeville performer um, and and eventually died on, on some train tracks. For a while of the play, that's a questionable, another murder question mark <laughs> um, of whether he was murdered or not. However, I think through the events of that conversation, we discover that it was in fact not necessarily a murder just just kind of him passing out there and dying as a result of some reflection that was happening but that kind of father-son dynamic uh brings to light another murder in this play and maybe that's a place to jump in as long as we're in the themed month world um all of these all of these murders kind of float around as question marks is the murder of the father question mark uh throughout the beginning of the play there's a lot of uh wondering who killed uh this uh, mr briggs uh character throughout the play and we're, we're all trying to suss out how that happens so there's there is this kind of I don't know. There's a little bit of tension and and wondering, but it's all held with such like a comedic lightness occasionally that it's hard to like get that same sense of dread from it as we've gotten in some of the other plays in Murder Month. Well, right, and and that's because the the murders are they're not real, right? I mean, the in the within the play within the play the murders are real, but the audience is two steps removed even from that. The characters on the outside of that understand that the murders that they are playing in their play are not actually happening. In effect, they're part of a story, and they're part of a story which is telling a story about America and the portrayal of Asian American people on screen. So rather than the murders being held as like a moral choice or way to advance uh, physical material goals like they are in Macbeth and Death Trap, in this case, the murders hold a much higher symbolic value. Yeah, yeah. So those those big murders at the end are are symbolic of what uh, Frank is trying to do. And Frank has a pretty lofty goal that is kind of assigned to him by the capuchin monkey in the middle of his breakdown after having been left by Susie um, to to uh, establish this new 
basically new culture um, or new way of viewing culture uh, as as Asian Americans outside of these stereotypes that have developed primarily through media. So those those murders at the end of the play, the killings at the end of the play carry the weight of, of the rest of the play and his wrestling both with himself, but also with Kathy, who has a different view of, of how to engage those stereotypes and combat those stereotypes even. Right. And there, and there is a ton of killing in the play within the play, right? Earl, the character who is representative of the man who wrote the Charlie Chan story initially, uh, is murdered, of course, right away. And then Eleanor, this sort of um, representative of progressives who are truly racist at heart kind of person, uh, is murdered in sort of the middle of the play. And then at the end of the play, in quick succession, Hastings is murdered, and Frank is playing Hastings. He eventually starts playing a capuchin monkey character in his own play within the play. But Hastings is murdered by Charlie Chan and then and then uh the the two uh uh, uh, uh let's see Andrew is one of them and uh, Linda I think and Linda yes 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 yeah and, and they are Alfred I'm sorry not not Andrew Alfred and Linda are murdered uh, towards the end of the play and then eventually of course Charlie Chan is murdered and all of this is in reference to Frank's father Charlie Chan in the real world who was maybe murdered maybe it was more like an accident or even a suicide but Frank holds it as a murder sort of by white culture and so all of these murders take place one after another another and represent for our protagonist Frank in the real play not the play within the play steps towards I don't know what his his understanding of himself or or a path forward for interacting with this dominant culture yeah the, it, the, there's this moment where you have this wondering whether it's happening in the play or not because it's it's kind of we, we kind of lose a little bit of our perspective of, of strictly in the play um, and then you have this kind of wondering whether this is actually Frank actualizing a plan because he and Kathy have this conversation um, about uh, him needing a plan because he's been drafted and he's got to be there next Tuesday or else get arrested or something. And he doesn't really have a plan for it. So there's this kind of I think it's mostly in the moment when, uh, let's see, Linda kills Eleanor, uh, which is Kathy killing uh, Kathy playing uh, Linda, Linda. <laughs> killing, killing Eleanor, played by, played Susie. by Susie. Susie is Frank's ex-girlfriend. Kathy is Frank's current girlfriend, or wife, actually. <laughs> They're married. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like in that scene, the line start, started to get blurred for me just yes. a little oh, bit. I definitely. was like, I was rereading it. I was like, wait a minute. Is Kathy actually killing Susie in this scene? I agree. I, I was baffled. <laughs> I did not know what was yeah. supposed to be happening. And actually, the stage directions help with that confusion. But before we get to that moment, I just want to point out the way that this is getting blended, the who's real, who's a character, who's not, is part of what Lloyd uh, is doing in the script. This is a line said by Kathy, oh, three quarters of the way through the script. She's talking with Frank about the, what's going on in their rehearsals process. She says... I don't know what any of it's about. It's not even a play, is it? A play is supposed to have an audience at theater. We don't have that. We've been rehearsing for nine months, and I don't even know where the play starts and I begin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then throughout that scene, there are subsequent ones where they will kind of check into each other. I think I think Susie says, wait a minute, are you Kathy right now or are you Linda? I'm getting confused. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there is that that kind of doubt cast on the events of the play. And, and so I think there is just that little tinge of wondering if all of these characters have kind of ceased to act out this revolution through the play and are maybe taking things into their own hands or trying to actualize it in their real life. Um, uh, in yeah, through through and and through it's actually whoo, actualize it in their real lives through murder of some sort. There we go. That was a hard word, hard phrase to say. <laughs> right. So we come back to the scene with Kathy and Susie. Right. They're playing Linda and Eleanor in the script. Linda is giving Eleanor acupuncture, and the story is that within the play. Linda is murdering Eleanor by slipping basically needles into poison and administering the poison through the acupuncture. Again, this is that poison pullover from the Agatha Christie story. However, the stage directions begin to get a little odd, right? There's a stage direction. Susie's mouth seems to be paralyzed. She's completely, but she's completely, completely lucid. Kathy takes the vial of poison and moves to face Susie. But then later on, it's Eleanor who dies. Eleanor in quotes, but then immediately after Eleanor, the stage direction says, dies, the character, it says Kathy checks Susie's pulse. We never see Susie again after she hides the body. So the stage directions in their influence on us start to become uh, part of the storytelling. We don't really know what's happening and to whom by virtue of the stage directions using names interchangeably. Another kind of interesting element then in there too is we have the appearance of Kathy's Kamuchin monkey, Kamuchin monkey spirit guide um, being that shows up kind of out of the closet immediately after she has killed Eleanor slash Susie. So, so you have that, that, that other element of this, this character that we know about, she's confessed that she sees a uh, kind of ever evolving version of Frank's capuchin monkey. She says sometimes it's Jesus, sometimes it's a, a variety of other characters. And, and, uh, and, and that character shows up in that moment played by Frank. This is Frank subbing into the new, his new role as this capuchin monkey character. Um, so, so you have that element too of like, wait a minute, am I, am I, if I, if I'm seeing that, how is that a part? part of this play that Frank is writing. So you have a lot of doubt being cast in your mind. And there's so many other instances of how the real world bleeds into the play, right? Uh, Frank and Kathy, as themselves, have a conversation uh, where it's revealed that Kathy is pregnant. Immediately following that, in the play that is that we believe, we understand Frank is writing... Linda and Alfred, who Linda, again, is played by Kathy. Alfred is played by Frank's brother. Linda and Alfred, a married couple, have a conversation about their forthcoming child and how Alfred needs to make a plan, get his life together, get stuff figured out so they can handle it, right? So Frank's experience, Frank and Kathy's experience, bleeds into the story they're writing. They create a scene in which characters have the conversation that they struggled to have themselves in the scene before. Another big part uh, in the script where that kind of bleeding through happens between real life and this play is the introduction of the sergeant who is playing Charlie Chan 
in the play. Um, he he uh, is is as we mentioned, the sergeant is played by a white actor, um, and he starts uh, this this one scene putting on the role of Charlie Chan. So putting on the various makeup that he uh, is is adopting for the role, adopting physicality, and then furthermore, Frank comes into the scene with Kathy, and they're kind of arguing about whether or not this sort of stereotyping uh, and and persisting in this stereotyping is helpful or not. And uh, Frank's main argument, or Kathy's main argument, is we should combat these stereotypes because they're wrong and they they shouldn't exist. They don't exist. And uh, Frank's kind of counterpoint is they do exist, and and they're they're there whether we want them to be or not. They are real whether that we want them to be or not. Um, and that that scene uh, kind of bleeds the line too of who exactly is talking um, because uh, uh, the sergeant the sergeant has kind of taken on this character of Charlie Chan, but then Frank gets him to kind of like monologue a bunch of of just racist stereotypes about Asian Americans so that so to kind of prove his point against Kathy that that these stereotypes continue to exist whether they want them to or not. Yeah, this is probably a good moment for us to just say that we're two white guys trying to discuss a play written by an Asian-American person about Asian-American issues, the way that white culture has influenced and represented Asian-American people. You know, we bring our own lens and experience to this and and encourage you to be part of a conversation that does not only involve two white guys. We are who we are, and we're doing our best to discuss this play in a way that is insightful, that is as from our experience of theater and storytelling but just know that this is the lens of two white humans talking about this and that you know this scene that you're discussing where frank gets the sergeant to reveal all of his biases about asian american people as a way to prove his point to kathy is in a lot of ways a scene written about you and i right jackson i mean it's it's a criticism of somebody the sergeant who's somebody who says you know i i i don't have you know holds this idea that i don't have any biases about asian american people I can play anybody. I'm doing the best that I can to represent this character faithfully. But when pressed by Frank to reveal those hidden biases that the sergeant maybe even wouldn't describe as biases, he reveals a whole host of really problematic attitudes about Asian American people. Yeah, and 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 Frank gets him to just like basically go off on it for like three pages. It's a long monologue of of this this character, yeah, who who attests that he has no biases, but yet um when it, when asked to engage this character in in a way and asked what is different about himself from this character, all of those 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 biases and 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 tendencies begin to kind of burst forth out of him. Um and we kind of leave that I mean the, the the end of that scene is just kind of a told you so basically. It, there isn't there isn't an attempt to like we don't spend the play with Sergeant again, I don't think, other than his role as Charlie Chan. Um we that's that's kind of the last time we hear from his voice. Um and there's no attempt to like you know, get him to change through the play because that's kind of what it's saying is, is, is he's not changing anytime soon. Um, and so how do we kind of Frank, Frank continues to then grapple with how do I try to actualize some change within my time on, on, uh, within his limited time and with his responsibilities around him, how does he enact this change that he wants to see this, this dismantling of these stereotypes in some way? Yeah, well, and and the reason why Frank has this white human, the sergeant, 
play Charlie Chan, the Asian American detective, is right. It's a dismantling of the legacy of white people playing that role in Yellowface. But it also, when he starts to art, when Frank starts to argue with Kathy about why he's made this choice, the line that really jumps out at me every time that I read the script is that Frank yells, Charlie Chan is white. Right. Frank's point, and this is a point that he makes, I'm not extrapolating for him. It's a point that he makes is that this is a character written by white people, filmed by white people, played by white people. The idea that the character is Asian American is a falsehood. It's a white character because it comes from the mind and bodies and experiences of white people. And that is the point that Frank makes. Now, this scene begins with watching the sergeant transform from his, himself, a white man, into his yellow face role as the detective. And you watch him put on the makeup and the, the beard and all of the stuff like that. There's spirit gum referenced, all that kind of stuff. And this is one of three scenes in the play where putting on makeup and taking on the character is part of an extended scene. Uh, the sergeant does it to become the detective. Then we watch Susie do it to become Eleanor about halfway through the script. And then we watch Frank do it to become the capuchin monkey for the end of the script. And these are fascinating dramaturgical moments for me. The, the process of watching the character transform into the character they're going to be as something that is an active action that that the audience participates in views that is part of a larger conversation about their characters' roles. I mean, that's a fascinating writing technique. Yeah, a, a number of the reviews that I read about this play to prep for this are say things like, this play pulls no punches, or this play is nonstop the whole time. And those scenes are part of that equation. This, like, watching of someone intentionally forming themselves into something that they're that they're not really to play them is is this kind of like long thing that we sit in you know we sit in it's not a it's not a quick process anyone who has used spirit gum before knows that it's not a quick process um and and uh yeah you, you kind of have to dwell in it for a while and in that dwelling you kind of uh ruminate on on both what you're watching but also maybe some of your own culpability in it your discomfort with it uh, but it kind of really drives home some almost like meditative space for us to be engaging the theme of the play and and then be able to re-engage once the action picks back up yeah, and, and it, it is the process of the real world manifesting into the fake world that is the play, right? Because the play within the play, the murder mystery investigation story, is not a particularly well-flushed-out plot. It's not really right. a cohesive story, right? I mean, Kathy, midway through the script, calls it mostly a random assortment of race jokes and diatribes that don't seem to be building into any coherent message or story. Right. But for the for the real world audience, what we're watching is the way that Frank, the character, creates the play within the play and not only creates it in the writing of it, like the example of him writing a scene about a couple figuring out what to do after they've discovered that they're pregnant, which reflects his real world. We see some of that, the writing of creation of it, but also how he creates the world of the actors, the characters by having these extended stage makeup moments. And the, the sergeant into Charlie Chan is the first one and a, a fairly shocking one, but we get the reverse of it only a few scenes later when Susie, an Asian American woman, transforms into Eleanor, an older white woman in front of our eyes. 
Yeah, that is a fascinating uh, super meta element to keep in mind throughout the play is every time you're engaging these play within the play scenes, you're kind of engaging Frank's process or Frank's yes. conscience. Yes. Um, and, and that comes to light in the scene where he's trying to get Chuck to sign on to the show. Um, uh, Chuck is his brother um, and he's trying to get Chuck to sign on to play Alfred. Um, and Chuck says, wait, is this a play about dad? Like, are you are you just writing a play trying as, to process? As dad? a reminder, Frank and his brother are both named Charlie Chan and their father, yeah. also named Charlie Chan, was a Asian-American performer, used to do really cool opera. But because of American biases, what American audience expected to see, he sort of became a minstrel performer, basically, of Asian-American stereotypes to make his living, died because he was drunk on a train track. The brothers believe different things happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's there's a lot for Frank to be unpacking from that relationship. Um, but Chuck, so Chuck is asking, are you just writing a play, kind of processing that? And Frank is adamant that he's not. Um, that he that, and finally it, it is guessed and he confirms that he's in fact writing a play about himself and and his own journey, his own may, maybe maybe his own actualization of this quest that he's been given to try to build this culture. Um, but but certainly his processing of of some of that that uh, family weight that he has, but also the 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 water that he's swimming in, the world that he would like to see in his time. Well, and it's in that scene where a line comes which helps us understand his own role. As- as a character in the story because Frank is playing uh, the Inspector Hastings character, a white inspector working alongside the Charlie Chan character. And the reason why Frank says he's playing Hastings, this is what he says. Frank says, that's why I have to play Hastings because the play is an investigation of myself and our entire cultural identity. And I'm the inspector. Yeah, so you, so, so you have him interrogating interrogating what he sees and trying to to find the truth in what he sees and all the time uh interestingly if he is the the kind of avatar of the of of this thought process says if Hastings is that in the play Hastings is constantly being uh, or having some doubt cast on him um, as we kind of tick off people in the play who have not murdered uh, Mr. Briggs. Um, more and more, you start to wonder if it's in fact Hastings who's behind it the whole time. Some early doubt is cast on him right at the top. He was there that morning and, and answered a, po- a police call to come to the house. So you have this kind of suspicion being cast on Hastings in a very similar way that suspicion is being cast on Frank by a lot of characters, um, but also by the culture at large on, on what he's trying to do on this on this kind of uh, noticing that he is going through other of these stereotypes and bringing them to light. Well, and 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 Hastings is not the only character that Frank plays in his play within the play because once Hastings is murdered by Charlie Chan, Frank, the actor, director, writer, real human in the play, in the play within the play, transforms and starts to play the Capuchin Monkey, who is a writing storytelling representation of the experience that Frank has actually been happening in the right. real play of a Capuchin <laughs> Monkey sort of guiding him, giving him questions giving him a sounding board we know that the capuchin monkey isn't real that the lloyd suh on a very on a script level has written a, a lovely little moment for us to help know that where frank's in the bar he asks for two drinks one for himself one for the monkey and the bartender says what do you mean two drinks all for yourself you've already had two all for yourself so we know that there's like a subconscious figment of imagination element but frank as a playwright has written the capuchin monkey into a play within his play and the capuchin monkey leads 
uh, one of the characters, Alfred, on a very similar journey that the capuchin monkey Frank experiences in his own life led him on. In fact, there's a mirror scene. In the capuchin monkey Frank scene in the bar, the monkey walks Frank through sort of an Asian-American history lesson, a a more fair representation of Asian-American history. And then Frank, as the monkey, does that for Alfred. Right. Yeah. So you have the parallels you have, you have, uh, and in that one, it's a little bit more stylized. We have like projections as a part of it and, and kind of uh, a lot of sort of theatricality involved with it, which is fitting because it's in the middle of the play within the play. So, uh, so yeah, you have those kind of side by sides. You have Frank kind of working through this guide character in the play as well. Um, and, and, and I, and I like too, what you said earlier about him working through his, the, the news of Kathy's pregnancy of that, that they're going to have a, a kid together. And that's kind of where the play ends on in some ways is this kind of, uh, wandering around the future for this kid. Um, because Kathy, as we mentioned, as you, or as you mentioned in the synopsis is, is, is leaving him to go, basically he suggests he's going to go buy a van and, and, and just try to be a violent resistance throughout the U S against racism, um, and try to, try to make some change that way. And Kathy says, I can't do that. Um, good luck. (laughs) Um, and, and, and you have this kind of wondering at the end, what this, what this world will be like for his, for his child and, and whether, whether that is the world or, or preparing the next generation to engage that world well is the way forward. There's a lot of tension around his 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 wondering towards that and, and whether or not he can actualize any change now or if he should be working for change in the future. Right, and that the way that the play ends focusing on Frank's understanding of his own child, it begins way back in the final confrontation between Frank as the monkey and the Charlie Chan detective character. Finally, the whole play within the play has come down to this confrontation and the Charlie Chan character within the play starts to go back and forth. They start to debate the legacy of Charlie Chan detective. Finally, the detective turns it towards uh, the, the monkey, I guess, or Frank playing the monkey's son and they go back and forth on that in a while and then comes a a line that every time I read this play is a gut punch to me when he finally they're talking about the son Frank says I'm not going to be able to be there for my son just like you I guess he's talking about his own father now we're not able to be there for me you were a bad father I'm going to have to be a bad absent father too I'd love to build a different kind of world for my son but I'm not going to be able to be there Charlie Chan says why Frank says because I have to report Ah is the line, and the A-H-Ah is a way that the, the, the writer Lloyd Sa has represented the legacy of Charlie Chan. There's a lot of humor in that that's hard to describe if you haven't read the play, but that Ah is a very powerful, funny line, and then silence. So this yeah. is a gut punch of a line to me, because I have to report. I have to go to Vietnam. And to me, this is the moment where so much crystallizes about what Frank is doing. He's doing a lot, right? But one of the things he's doing is running away, trying to process the fact that he's been drafted. Yeah, which is which is tough to keep hold of, you know, or it could it could be tough to keep hold of in this play. But that is like this. That is the second scene of the play. The first scene of the play is the in the play within the play murder scene of Mr. Briggs. Um, The second scene of the play is him going into the draft office and trying to present plenty of ways for them not to draft him. But there's there's so much there's so much work in this play around deconstructing stereotypes about trying to paint a new future about his 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 relationship with Kathy and whether they
they can work out together, whether he has a plan or not, whether it's all going to work that, that I agree that, that the, 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 the kind of core fear of his is I'm going to go to war and maybe die. And, and that is driving a lot of his, his uh, impetus to be creating this thing, to try to change something, to try to be there and create a better world for his kid, try to be there for Kathy. So you have, I think that that fear lands home in that last scene and you realize, oh, that's so much of what this play is actually about. Yeah, and it, it, it it's so powerful to reveal that sort of deep, unspoken fear in the middle of this confrontation, which is about so many other things as well. That we find it, there, there comes this moment where simple human fear and uncertainty is revealed amidst so many other layers, and it gives all the other layers to me so much more crystallizing power. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really paints it, paints it vibrantly to life. You get, you get, you get all the pieces kind of click into place and you're like, oh, here's, here's a bunch of why. <laughs> and you kind of see the connection points and all the areas that it intersects. And you also see uh, a, a bunch of the conflict, especially for Kathy. Um, like as Kathy maybe makes that realization at a similar moment as she's listening to the event on stage, um, that might be part of why she has such clarity for the final scene of, of just knowing, knowing that she can't be a part of that. Of, of the vision that, that, that Frank is casting. Yeah. And it's worth noting that Kathy is the only other character besides Frank, and I guess the sergeant, that we meet outside for the first time, outside of the play within the play. Uh, Lloyd Suh has done an excellent job at giving us the three most important characters for his message and storytelling. We get to meet them as real people before we have to meet them as characters within the play. We meet uh, Susie, who is Frank's girlfriend. She arrives first as a character in the play within the play. His brother arrives first as the cop as a character in the play within the play. But these three characters are pulled out for us and we get to experience them as real people. And that, to me, that places their real journey in a forefront sense in how we interpret the characters as they go through the play within the play. Whereas some of the other background characters, meeting them first as background characters places that as the forefront for us, which I think is beneficial, right? Because uh, Frank's brother, his real world story is not as important as the story that he gives us playing Alfred. So the the writer has done a really smart thing in, in helping us understand what to prioritize. Yeah, that is a fascinating element of just like noting, yeah, noting who the characters are that interact for, with Frank first before their characters in the play. Because because it's fascinating to be introduced to a new character um, in the play first and then shown the actor who's playing it. It really it, it continues to kind of mess with your mind a little bit about which which is the reality, which is the real world that you're watching. And in that way, like it, this, the other thing that Mash is mashed up in this play, besides all the other things we described, is like noises off. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> front stage, backstage, who's a character? The way you're playing a character interferes with the human that you actually are, the human story, and the character stories get mixed up a little bit. And that's all accomplished through some really incredible stagecraft. I think I tried to, like, pay attention to how many times the sergeant has to change yeah. um, <laughs> change his costuming. It's a lot. 
and it's not a small amount of costuming. He's he, he has to like come on as the sergeant at first. He then plays Charlie Chan. Then he plays the sergeant getting into Charlie Chan, and that that's kind of it. But that's like a lot over like five scenes. Well, think that he about has to... Frank, right? I mean, he's got to be the yeah. character that changes the most. Maybe Susie goes back and forth quite a few times, but Frank is constantly in and out of white fit, right? I mean, the character he's playing right. is a white guy, and the stage directions call for heavy white makeup. So it's like to get in and out of that back and forth. It, to me, there's like a lot of uh, operational, technical production elements that are required to work exactly right to produce this play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a, a fascinating play to look at to try to like track um, how much work the actors are doing because it is it is certainly ambitious. Um, uh, we're, we're we're coming down towards the end of our time. Uh, I, I wanted to just address there there is this this um, interesting scene in the middle. There's just an interesting chunk of stage directions that are kind of uh, a unique set of stage directions in this play. Um, and and I'm talking about the end of the first act when we're going into intermission. That act ends with a an interesting monologue from the monkey who comes on and starts a kind of iambic pentameter um, uh, Shakespeare-esque line, which then kind of devolves into, or not devolves, but loses its meter um, into just a, a monologue about uh, popular culture and movies and how they are are representing these stereotypes. And, and, it, and it ends with just a fascinating set of stage directions, which is calls for we are silence. So on the same page, here. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to end our conversation to. Okay, nice, great. nice. It it ends with basically calling for silence. The character of the monkey says, "Who is the greatest Asian American character of all time?" And the stage directions say they think about it. There should be a long silence. The audience should think about it. Um, if someone feels something, they should feel free to say something. I think that says either the actors or the audience could say something. Feel f- And a great, great set of lines. Feel free to, or I'm sorry, a great set of stage directions. Feel free to feel how that feels. That's if a great no one... stage direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If no one says anything, then at least 30 seconds should pass, which is an eternity yeah. in theater time of silence. And then <laughs> uh, one of the greatest stage directions i mean i just love this he says so this he's referencing again the capuchin monkey gives sort of a verse uh pentameter kind of monologue and then launches that ends and he launches into the little dry tribe about american media and finally the questioning about the greatest asian american character but this is the stage direction for that when asian americans are equitably represented in media then everything the monkey just said after the iambic pentameter section should be deleted Right. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and and again, like this is something this is this is part of the cool thing about reading plays as literature, because you wouldn't necessarily put that into the play somehow. It'd be very hard to generate that into the watched play. And yet it's such a powerful line for the people doing the play, for the 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 actors and the production team to be engaging with. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that scene in general has such a interesting air about it an interesting moment of theater, something that can only be accomplished in theater. I love finding moments that can only be accomplished in theater and holding a group of, let's say a hundred plus people in silence or around this question well, is, and, and is a really unique. I love the option to delete the whole section and why yeah. I love it is that it tells me that the playwright imagines a world where this is going to happen. 
right? That there is going to be a world where Asian Americans are equitably represented in American media. And when that happens, we don't need this section anymore. This section will have accomplished its goal, and that is coming someday. And to me, that is so powerful for the production team. The audience isn't going to know about that stage direction because that scene will either happen or it won't, right? And someday it won't happen. But right now it will happen. And someday the audience is not going to have that section included. But for the production teams, for the readers to read that and understand that the playwright is pitching to us an imagination of a day when this section is no longer going to be necessary. And to me, that is just as powerful as anything in the play. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that sort of really powerful hope, um, a casting a vision for the future. It, and, and maybe this play is a part of, of, of actualizing that future. That's certainly what Frank is hoping for, is that this play like derails something or creates something new or deconstructs something in, in order for something new to be, to be brought about. So to, so to have this call right in the center of the script to the people who are producing it, who have chosen this script as worthy of three months of their time and and uh, a lot of nights spent up working on it, um, is, is a really galvanizing voice of the playwright to the production team that is really special, I think, about this script. I agree. I think that's probably the time that we have for this conversation. It's really fun to read this script as part of Murder Month, where murder is not so much a plot device as it is a symbolic element in the writing within the writing of the script. It's just a fun, different thing. To me, it was more fun than a conversation on another Agatha Christie murder mystery. You know, so <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed being able to have this conversation instead of one of the myriad of predictable murders. I mean, Agatha Christie's great. Right. But this is so much more fascinating to talk about how the theater of it works and how the commentary works. And we're two white guys. I hope you'll go listen to somebody else's commentary about this play. But even for us, it's powerful just to get to have the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad we got to talk about this play and I'm glad that the conversation does not have to stop here. We'd love to keep talking about this play with all of you out there in podcast land. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to talk about this play with someone else who has read it or been in it or seen it, there's some people I'm sure out there who have, <laughs> and it's likely that they're on amongst our listeners, and we'd love to be able to talk to you. We'd love love to be able to have you all talk to each other so find us on any of those sites we'd love to be talking about charles francis chan jr's exotic oriental murder mystery with all of you absolutely if you've liked murder month if you've liked this episode if you liked other episodes please go ahead and pass on this podcast to other people you know you probably know people that like theater if you're somebody that likes theater or literature or stories or writing whatever it is send them our way we're available on podbean apple Podcasts, google play spotify you can also just like us on facebook a link the new episode appears every Monday just for you to click and play. We got one more play left in this themed month of Murder Month. So until next week when we are talking about that final play in this themed month, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script, the podcast.